17 weeks, four quarters, 60 minutes, and it all leads up to one winning, winning drive. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Winning Drive podcast. I am Rita Hubbard, the NFL chick, co-host of the Glenn and Rita show on 105.7 Fan with my guy Cordell Woodland from Shaking It Up Sports and the Ravens reporter for 105.7 The Fan. And as you know, we've had other AFC North guys come on and talk to us about their teams and what they project is happening in 2023, as well as the rivalries in the AFC North. So today we are going to Pittsburgh. We're going west. 70, I believe. <laughs> uh, we have our guy, Chris, from 93.7, the fan in Pittsburgh, and BetQL. Thank you so much for joining us. Chris Mack, I apologize, from 93.7, the fan and BetQL in Pittsburgh. Thank you so much for joining us to talk some Ravens and Steelers today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Rita Cordell. Fun. Uh, looking forward to this because I, I think, like, it feels to me, I don't know how, how you guys feel, it feels like the AFC North outside of Cincinnati maybe is as hard to figure out as it has been in like the last five to ten years. I don't know. It just it feels like there's a lot going on that is hard to get a read on because of, well, probably the quarterback specifically, but I'm curious what you guys think too. Yeah, so let's talk about that situation. Let's talk about the outlook from your perspective of the 2023 Steelers. Um, you have Kenny Pickett, who is coming into his second year. So we saw some signs, and unfortunately for the Ravens last year, we saw some really good signs, particularly in that Sunday night game. So there were some good things that had happened with Pickett. Obviously, you know, he came in during the season. Slow starter, but, you know, hey, it's all about how you finish. Um, and so now you have him having his first full season at quarterback. T.J. Watt, we know, missed some games last year, so he should be coming back healthy. And, of course, the talk all around social media has been George Pickens, who that is a very sensitive subject, by the way, in this town. Because oh, yeah? A lot of people wanted George Pickens to be picked in the draft. Um, and so every time he does something good, Ravens fans are always like, oh, see, this is why. So uh, even though it's been some push-offs, we, we've seen them, you still got to respect how well he's done in terms of his route running. And it feels like he's going to have a good 2023. So when you look at the makeup of this team, just specifically on the field, because we know what they are in terms of coaching, in terms of Mike Tomlin. But from when you look at the makeup from where their roster, what do you expect from them? Well, I'll start with this because I think it starts with philosophy, Rita. Like it starts with Mike Tomlin and this comes down from Art Rooney II, the owner of the Steelers. P people don't think of him as like the Jerry Jones type to get like all involved in the business of the game and all that, but he does have his ideas. And after the last couple of years, he would, I like to see, I, I would like to think, see this team be more conservative, at least in terms of how it handles turning over the football. And that kind of comes part and parcel with having a young quarterback, right? We saw Kenny Pickett have more picks than touchdowns last year. So I think Rooney and Tomlin, as well as Omar Khan, the new GM, who I think had a really good offseason, um, would like to have a team this year that is focused on their strength, which is their defense. It's the first or second highest paid defense in the league, TJ Watt. Cam Hayward is still producing, and somehow it, it feels like getting better at, a, at an advanced age. Minka Fitzpatrick on the back end. Um, they brought in some new inside linebackers. They, they give Alex Highsmith an extension. They've tried to revamp the defensive line on the fly throughout the draft the last couple of years. Um, it looks like 
they're betting on their defense being what wins them games, which is tough in today's NFL. Like it's all about putting points up on the scoreboard. Um, but it's still the AFC North, right? So maybe that's feasible in this division is you can win based on your defense and asking your offense to not do too much. People don't like their quarterbacks to be called game managers anymore. It's it's like a pejorative term. Oh, he's a game manager. But if Kenny Pickett in his second year can be a quality game manager and just not turn the ball over more than he scores it, then they're going to be in a good spot. And let's not forget that in addition to all the weapons, you mentioned George Pickens at the top of the list, Pat Fryermuth, they draft Darnell Washington out of Georgia, who should be a huge red zone target. They've got a guy who was a top five rusher in his rookie year, Najee Harris, and is a first round pick who needs to pay off on that first round potential if he's going to get his fifth year option picked up next spring. The key to Najee is Najee wasn't healthy the first half of the year last year. And this has been my kind of pushback against a bunch of people in Steelers Nation this year and football fans in general is everybody keeps saying, well, it's all about Pickett. It's all about Pickett. Well, sure, you need your second year quarterback to develop. Um, I've talked to his quarterback's coach, his personal QB's coach out in Jersey, Tony Rassiope, a few times, who just glows and raves about the work that Kenny has done this offseason and thinks he'll, he'll take a big step forward. But he's still a young quarterback, and it's about Najee Harris, in my opinion anyway, taking the kind of step forward that we saw in the second half of last year when he was finally healthy. Don't forget, he had a Liz Frank injury in the preseason last year. He was running with a steel plate in his shoe the first half of last year. A, a, a poor offensive line at times in front of him. Um, this year, he's got an improved offensive line. Broderick Jones, the first-round pick out of Georgia at left tackle, if not Dan Moore, the incumbent. Uh, Isaac Sayamalu, who's a huge upgrade at left guard, signed away from the Eagles. And Najee is healthy. If you just look at the numbers from pre-bye week, pre-week eight to post-week eight last year, he took a huge leap in the second half of the season last year. If he takes a similar kind of leap through this year, we're going to get back to the Najee we saw as a rookie who was a top five rusher, hopefully get that average up over four yards a carry, and he will become the engine that drives this offense, which is exactly what Mike Tomlin wants. Najee is his guy, and I'm fine with that. I'm a huge Najee fan, but he's got to produce this year. If they're going to run with that, that system of defense first, forcing turnovers, making what Mike Tomlin likes to call splash plays on defense, and Najee kind of helping Kenny Pickett manage things on the offensive side. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I'm a, I'm a big Najee Harris fan myself. Uh, you talk about his rookie year. He was really that offense. He and Deontay Johnson, mm -hmm. Big Ben, couldn't really push the ball down the field, and Najee would come out of games with like 10 targets uh, <laughs> at times. Um, but I, I have a ton of questions about the Steelers because when I look at the AFC North, I – feel like the Steelers are that one team that I just can't persuade myself to think that they're going to be a true contender in this division. They've shown that they just won't have a losing season because Mike Tomlin just won't allow that to happen. Right. So they won't totally hit rock bottom, but I just struggle to find myself entertaining the idea that they'll be able to compete at the end of the season when it's all said and done with the records of the Ravens, the Bengals, possibly the Browns. The Browns are the biggest wild card, I think, in this division. Agreed. But for me, it, it really comes down to Kenny Pickett and what can he do this year? Can he take that next step? In your, in your opinion, do you see Kenny Pickett being able to I, – I, I see you calling him a game manager, and that may be the best – 
case scenario for him right now. But if he has to, can he get the big plays? Pittsburgh was lacking in a lot of big plays last year, and they go and get George Pickens last year. You got Deontay Johnson, who's a target machine as well. You mm -hmm. mentioned Pat Frymuth, and I, I think Darnell Washington could possibly be the steal of the draft, to be yeah. honest with you. I, I can't even believe yeah. that those were able to snag him the way that they did. But do you trust that Kenny Pickett can, if need be, take this offense to a new level? I trust right now that Kenny Pickett can be what they want him to be, Cordell, which is, again, I hate to use the term because everybody thinks it's a bad word, game manager. If he starts to show that those moments like he had on Christmas Eve against the Raiders, like he had down there at M&T, and that, that, that last throw to Najee on that touchdown pass to win that game, that's the kind of clutch stuff they need to see from him. Forget two or three times in a season. They need to see that like five, six times because – they're going to be playing tight ball games. If they're going to lean on their defense, they're going to have to win a whole lot of 23 to 20 or, you know, 20 to 17 type games. And if that requires Kenny Pickett making that drive to at the very least get them into field goal range or maybe take them all the way down into the end zone in order to win or go ahead late, then he's going to have to continue to exhibit that clutch gene. Um, I think it's in there. The question is, is it in there to the extent that he can steal five or six games for them? That's the question. Can he? Is he the kind of quarterback who, like I said, manages the game a good bit and gives you those big moments two or three times a year like he did last year? Or is he the quarterback that manages the game but steps up in a big way? Like I, even, I would even liken it, and I'm not trying to call Kenny Pickett a future Hall of Famer or, or even Super Bowl winner yet, but – you know, when Ben Roethlisberger was very young, you think back to his rookie year and his second year, they didn't ask him to do too much. It was Ben, stand back there and read half the field. And he did a lot with his legs back then. Pickett is capable of doing some things with his legs. We've seen that. But I, I think it's ask Kenny to manage what's in front of him. Again, we, we've brought up all these targets. We didn't even mention the addition of Allen Robinson, who seems to start be developing the chemistry with Pickett as well. Another big red zone target. They were terrible in the red zone last year. They go out and draft Darnell Washington. They sign Allen Robinson. So they've personnel-wise tried to address some of those deficiencies. Um, it will be on Kenny Pickett. If he makes a huge leap forward, then, hey, we're not talking about a nine-win team who's scratching and fighting and clawing for a wild card spot, which is what I think they will be. If he takes a huge leap forward, Cordell, we could be talking about, you know, maybe this is a 10-win team. Maybe maybe even they're fighting for 11 wins. I don't think that's enough to win the AFC North. I think it's a 13-win division because of how good the Bengals are uh, and how, how much potential the Ravens have um, to bring it back around to the AFC North as a whole for just a moment. I, I don't believe we're going to get Texans Deshaun Watson ever again, at least not in Cleveland. Like, I, I don't – until I actually see that on display – I refuse to believe that we're going to get prime Deshaun Watson again while he's in Cleveland, but here nor there, if you're going to win the AFC North, I think you got to have 13 wins. I don't suspect the Steelers to be anywhere close to that. If you're going to compete for a wild card in the AFC, you're probably going to have to have 10 wins because it's so stacked dolphins, chargers, everybody else that's involved, maybe the jets, maybe Rogers still has something left in the tank. Um, so in my opinion, anyway, I think they're a nine win team who maybe gets into the seventh wild card again, as they did a couple years ago. But I don't think they're that team that's going to challenge for the top of the division, unless Pickett takes that huge leap forward that you're talking about. So, um, Cordell, I know you had some concerns regarding the offensive coordinator situation. It's funny because a lot of my Steeler friends um, – 
aren't fond of Matt Canada. <laughs> and that's probably putting it lightly. And so in terms of what you had to say about that, Cordell. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Ravens have kind of dealt with that si- a similar situation the last yes. few years uh, with Greg Roman here. And they they made that change this offseason to go to Todd Munkin, uh, who was out at Georgia. Matt Canada, I think he was in a similar situation to where, if nothing else, I think most fans, like you said, were at least hoping for a change. It hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what could you expect new from Matt Canada? Is is there something, is there a new late? We used to joke about Greg Roman having the vault. He brought up the vault one time. And it's like, okay, at what point are we going to see these plays that Greg Roman has in his vault? And I don't know if we ever truly saw them. Is there another layer to Matt Canada's offense that we haven't seen? Because what we've seen to this point hasn't been that great. I'm just going to be straight up honest. I don't think there is, Cordell. Like, so this is what drives me nuts about Matt Canada. When he was offensive coordinator at the University of Pittsburgh, gosh, it's almost five years ago now, I want to say. He would do all kinds of crazy motions and stunts and pre, pre-snaps and it, all kinds of stuff to keep a defense off balance, which I think works much better at the Power 5 level than it does the NFL level. Sure. It didn't work for him at LSU. That was a quick flame out. Maryland was more about just kind of holding things down. If you remember, that was the year where their coach was fired and he kind of took over on an interim basis for a little while towards the end of the year um, and and did his best to hold things together. And then he comes back to Pittsburgh, works a year as QB's coach, kind of OC in waiting because Randy Feekner was the offensive coordinator then and was really just OC because he was Ben's caddy. Um, So he takes over from Randy Feekner. And we all expected, I think, some of that creativity that we saw when he was at Pitt to come bubbling to the surface. We haven't seen it. Uh, if we do see it, it, it's these weird jet sweeps that don't produce anything. Or, you know, they, they pay a fullback three and a half million dollars a year, TJ's brother Derek, um, and don't use him at all. And now this is my this is my latest beef with Matt Canada. The big thing the last week, week and a half at camp, as far as offensive ingenuity has been, they've taken Kendrick Green, who I don't know if you guys remember, they drafted him in the second or third round a few years ago as an interior offensive lineman out of Illinois. They tried starting him at center after Marquise Pouncey retired. It's a disaster. So he was a backup interior offensive lineman last year. This year at camp, at least the last week, week and a half, they're using him in like a hybrid H-back, fullback, tight end role. You know, bringing him in motion, getting him to swing, kick out on blocks, on jet sweeps, and all this kind of crazy stuff. And people are going nuts for it. And I just take a step back like you and go, this is it? This, this, is, the, this is the Matt Canada vault? This is what we're getting? is a, a washed-up interior offensive lineman running lead blocks in goal line. That's it. That's all we've got. Because- Ooh, sounds familiar. Sound Those complaints <laughs> sound familiar. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah. So, I mean, to, to answer your question a long, uh, in a short way, and rather than going a long way around, Cordell, no. I, I don't believe there's a great amount of ingenuity, and I think it's going to hamper Kenny Pickett's growth. I think it's going to hamper this offense again this year. It's why I believe Mike Tomlin and Art Rooney have built this team and Omar Khan – have built this team to win these games with their defense, you know, 20 to 17, uh, 23 to 20, because I don't think they have a great deal of trust in their offense. I think they're kind of looking at this as one more trial year for Matt Canada. And if he can't, and they also didn't want to change up OCs for a quarterback in his first full NFL offseason, right? They wanted Kenny Pickett to have some of that stability. Um, That's the only thing keeping Matt Canada in a job right now. I'm convinced 
But I'm, I'm glad you brought up the Ravens, and I'm going I'm to spin this back around on, on YouTube because my question is, from up here, as I watch Todd Munkin take over for Greg Roman, is how much more creative will the Ravens' offense be? Are we going to get, and I've heard people bring this up, um, are we going to get a little bit more of Louisville Lamar, who isn't asked to be the to throw the entire running game on his shoulders, who is going to have time to stand back in the pocket and read a defense and maybe find somebody on a seam route, rather than just stopping, checking down to Mark Andrews, or taking off every single time. I mean, because what I see from the outside looking in is, okay, OBJ, uh, Bateman's got some more time under his belt now. Zay Flowers is brought into the mix. All these weapons, Duvernay, another year of growth maybe. You can say what you want about Aguilar. Um, and really it's down to Gus Edwards and some dudes in the backfield. Um, so is this is Todd Munkin somehow going to take this from run-heavy – everything's on Lamar's shoulders as far as moving the ball with his legs to no, we're actually going to let Lamar stand back there and dissect some defenses a little bit and throw the ball downfield. I think that you got, you got to incorporate both. I mean, you can't take away Lamar's superpower, which is, you know, him moving around him being able to, if a, a play breaks down, him being able to move, or if, even if it's, you know, if, if you need something going, you know, running pistol and, and things of such. So I don't think you take that away from him, but I do think that this group of wide receivers and receiving core just generally, I think allows him to now um, have more of a passing game. And I think we talked about this before on the podcast um, with Greg Roman. I think the issue that I've had with Greg Roman is that he was a little, he allowed wide receivers to be a little too flexible in terms of option routes, which is why there wasn't a lot of spacing, which is why you would have guys that would be in the same area. It wasn't designed that way. It was the guys were allowed to have option routes. And I think some people just need to be told what to do. Okay. So everybody is not an option route type of guy. Some guys got to be gotcha. told you do this and you do that. And these two guys, probably Mark Andrews and Odell can do whatever they want to do. Right. Because they have the experience. They're good at it. They can find the, the spots. So I think in that regard, um, you'll have more of a success. But I think you can't take away Lamar's superpower. I just I think you still have to incorporate that. Cordell, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I look in 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 practice is one thing. You know, Lamar isn't really taking off right now. He says in the press conferences how he how he wants to <clears throat> run less and you know, be more of this down the field passer. And it look, it sounds great. It does. And he, he has all these new weapons um, and they do help. He does now have guys. I will, I will say for the first time in his career, he has multiple guys that I feel like can win at the line of scrimmage. Odell Beckham is a master route runner. How, how much does he have left with his, you know, he has to be playing with one ACL. We know his injury concerns. Those are all valid. But one thing that has not changed about him is he can run a route better than anybody out there. And the dude is going to catch pretty much anything you throw within his catch radius. I got to admit for the questions that I had about the Odell signing at the time, mostly about the pay that he was given. Um, he has looked really good in camp. I, I, I can't even lie to you. Bateman just returned yesterday. Odell has been the best wide receiver on the Ravens roster so far in camp um, and they still have Mark Andrews. So now you're in a situation to where it's no longer a case where defenses can just lock in on Mark Andrews. It's no longer a situation where when all else fails, 
it's just Mark Andrews that Lamar is going to look at. It's still going to be Andrews. I still believe Mark Andrews is still the number one guy in this past offense. But now he's got a guy like Odell who's always been a a quarterback-friendly wide receiver. He knows how to help his quarterbacks out. He's now got Zay Flowers who's really good in space. I want to see Zay do – be a little more productive in these 11 on 11 sessions in practice. That's kind of the next step for me with him. He looks great in one-on-ones. He looks great when he's able to operate in a ton of space, but I haven't necessarily seen it come together for him in the team drills just yet. Like I said, Bateman just returned yesterday. um, So he's kind of in this ramp up period right now, but at the end of the day, I'm still expecting Lamar to be Lamar. I'm still expecting Lamar to, when all else fails, take off and run and use his legs. He's checking down in practice right now, but it's more so because when he takes off, they're blowing the whistle. He's not able to go, but so right. far, when he's in between those white lines and the games are counting, he he's going to do what his mind is trained to his do. natural and, instinct, yeah. And, right, and, right. and that's what's going to be to take off. And it's still, I think, the Ravens' best play, the Ravens' best chances to hit on big plays, I believe, is still with Lamar's legs. So, Chris, we talked (laughs) about this um, prior to starting the podcast. You have some concerns. You have some beef with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it is regarding preseason. Now, as we know, preseason starts this weekend. Uh, and so there's only three games now because we've obviously found that the the NFL has moved from 16 to 17 games. Mm-hmm. So you have some issues, and, and I want you to explain to us what that concern is. Well, I mean, Mike Tomlin, as we're recording this, full disclosure, it's Thursday morning, right? So yesterday, Wednesday afternoon, or it would have been right around lunchtime maybe, uh, Mike Tomlin met with the media up at Latrobe at St. Vincent College where the Steelers hold training camp every year and said, all who are healthy will play. That is the plan. That's a direct quote. All who are healthy will play Friday night in Tampa when they go down to visit the Buccaneers. And if 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 it were not a case of having direct lessons in his immediate past to learn from this mistake, maybe I wouldn't be as wary of it, but a lot of people are always willing to just write off whatever Mike Tomlin decides to do as well. It's Mike Tomlin, future Hall of Famer, no losing seasons. He can't be making a mistake. Well, let's pump the brakes because last year you had three playing time decisions made in the month of August that I think were huge mistakes. One was they never gave Kenny Pickett a single first team rep. Kenny Pickett didn't play with the first team guys until he walked out on that field against the Jets in the second half in week four, week five, whenever it was when Mitch Trubisky was benched. That's mistake number one. You get your rookies, especially your high draft picks, in there with the first team right away, which they also haven't necessarily done with Broderick Jones this year. He's splitting time with Dan Moore Jr. at left tackle. They're battling for the position when Broderick Jones is Broderick Jones. You moved up and, and ahead of the Jets this year on for a reason, because you believe this is a dude, a guy who can lock down your line for the next decade. You put him in right from the get-go. So that's mistake number one. Mistakes two and three are playing veterans Friday night in Tampa. You don't need to do it. There are guys, I'll just list them right off the top of my head. Cam Hayward, TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, Larry Ogunjobi, Patrick Peterson, Najee Harris, Pat Fryermuth, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens. None of them need to see the field Friday night because you know exactly what you have in these guys. Last year, Najee Harris got hurt in camp. You played him in the preseason anyway. 
And like I said earlier, he was ineffective for the first half of the season because you made him play on a busted Liz Frank. You also played TJ Watt in the preseason inexplicably, who was then the reigning defensive player of the year. TJ Hawkinson cut him out and nearly took out his knee in the first preseason game. Now, that isn't the reason TJ missed seven games later. It was the torn peck he suffered in week one against the Bengals. But it didn't help his recovery at all. It didn't make him any better. Go back and watch some of the pregame warm-up tapes from late in the year last year against the Falcons in particular when he first came back. You can see he's a step slower than he had been, and a lot of it had to do with that knee. So why are we playing veterans in the preseason? I mean, I get it. Like, we, I think a lot of us who've watched Mike Tomlin and the Steelers for a long time now, we get caught up in this. We remember Mike Tomlin, the young hotshot who came in from Minnesota and Tampa and everybody's like, oh, well, Mike Tomlin, young coach, cutting edge, all this kind of stuff. And we forget that Mike Tomlin's now one of the more experienced, if not the most experienced guy in this division, one of the most experienced guys in the league. And he's got some old school thoughts about things. Mm-hmm. It, you know, the, he still walks out there on the practice field during training camp in the middle of August and July in all black long sleeve shirt and black pants so he can show the guys, hey. It's not that hot out here. If I can do it, you can do it. He has, still has those old school ball coach thoughts and that mentality sometimes, which includes, yeah, I'm going to play my veterans in the preseason. Why wouldn't I want to get them some snaps when those veterans don't need those snaps? So well, honestly, I'm looking for nothing else Friday night against Tampa from the Steelers other than, please, God, get these veterans, get these keys to the defense, especially in my offensive skill weapon players off the field without getting hurt. All the ones I mentioned, Hayward, Watts, Patrick, Peterson, uh, Harris, Johnson, Pickens, get them off the field before they get hurt because they do not need to be out there. I don't know what the, what the, the status is for like Lamar or OBJ in the Ravens first game or what, what Harbaugh is thinking about using those guys, but I know he's always been a little bit more advanced, at least in my opinion, in his thinking of how he handles things like this. Than Mike Tomlin has been. I think he's a little more new school, even though they're of the around the same age and same experience mm-hmm. level. I think Harbaugh is much more new school than Tomlin is old school in elements like this. Um, I think it's a mistake to play guys it, that much in the preseason. Yeah, I, 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 I'm sorry, Cordell, real quick though. Yeah, I think um, Harbaugh has evolved. You know, I think that he started off a little, you know, being an old school type of guy, but as time has gone on, and he's learned from experiences as well. Um, that he's learned that he, you know, doesn't have to do that. I'm not a huge fan of veterans playing in preseason. I think joint practices make more sense when you have those types of things set up than having preseason games because it's only three. So you need mm-hmm. to figure out who's going to make the roster, who's not going to make the roster. I don't I don't see a need for it at all. Uh, Cordell, I don't know how you feel about that, but I just don't think that veterans should be playing preseason personally. Yep. I've I've always been conflicted, right? Because I I myself, as young as I am to a degree, I still have some of those old school mentality things too as well. Like I do miss the days as a fan to where preseason stinks. Let's let's be honest. It's always <laughs> but it it doesn't stink more than it ever than it does now. And it stinks now because literally most teams aren't playing their starters. The Ravens didn't play any starters last year in the preseason. I mean, pretty much none of the starters played in the preseason last year. The offensive line might have. You I mean, might yeah, have the offensive line, line and that was it. Veteran guys didn't, like Moses didn't, Zyler right. didn't, Linderbaum did because he was a rookie. Stanley, rookie. Stanley, I don't believe no. played preseason. No. Um, so it's 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 like 
most of their key veteran guys aren't going to be out there. And I, I believe it's going to be the same thing again. I, I believe Har- Harbaugh mentioned that uh, earlier, or maybe he didn't, but I, I, I'm pretty sure we're not going to see many of the uh, starters in preseason. But you think back to what, uh, two years ago, J.K. Dobbins tears his ACL in the preseason game against the commanders, and he yep. still hasn't been right ev- ever since then. Um, so you you do you would like to see coaches learn from that, especially the Steelers situation from last year. And correct me if I'm wrong, the Steelers have live hitting in, oh, in, yeah. in, in yeah. training camp as well. That's another old school ideology right there. I mean, there's not many teams in the NFL these days doing live hitting in, in, in camp. The Ravens don't. And, and yesterday was their most physical practice of camp to this point. I mean, Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen and those guys were hitting anybody that touched the ball yesterday. Um, but even some of those were just thuds, just stand, standing the guys mm-hmm. up. And those were some pretty physical hits. I can't imagine the Ravens right now having full live practices. I'd yeah. love to see it, but I don't. I don't. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I, they did ta- actual tackling, like co- not just not just you know linebackers and defensive linemen, but they had corners r- working on their tackling on receivers and backs coming out of the backfield the other day. It was actually a pretty bad day for Joey Porter Jr. because he was doing the old school put your head down and dive at guys kind of deal and missed three, four tackles in that drill. So I'm kind of like you, Cordell, in that like it's a fundamental part of the game that we see getting worse year by year around the NFL is, and even at the high college levels, like dudes just can't tackle anymore. Um, Nobody breaks down and just wraps their arms around a guy. Everybody wants to turn into a a rocket launcher. Mm -hmm. Um, But so you need to work on it. But like you said, read it have a joint practice like have something that you can control and a lot of yep. times those things just end up in fights but i'd rather have that than have a preseason game where like again i'll use the example last year tj hawkinson comes across and dives right at tj watt's knees and it's like why is tj watt in that game to begin with yeah i, I agree with you on that before we let you go chris i i know we talked a little bit about this previously um but again um, I want to know your thoughts on the division, how you see this fairing. I know you said that you think that the Steelers um, will potentially get to nine wins, um, maybe even 10. So we know that. But in terms of stacking the division, how do you see this fairing? Yeah, I, I, I mentioned it earlier. I think as long as that ankle injury, that calf injury for Joe Burrow is not any more serious than people are letting on right now, that the Bengals are still the favorites to win the division. And in my opinion, right there with the Chiefs and the Bills and the AFC to represent that conference in the Super Bowl come February. Um, I think from there, it's a question of how, what kind of Lamar do we get? You know, if we get that full, fully formed Lamar that you talked about earlier, who can still you break the pocket when he has to and make things happen with his legs, but who doesn't, like I was saying, have the whole run game sort of heaped on his shoulders – um, and, and Todd Munkin has figured some, some way out to balance the, the Ravens offense with all the weapons available to him now, then I think the Ravens are, are probably an 11 win team or right around there. And they're a solid top wild card, maybe the top wild card in the AFC, depending on how the chargers and dolphins, uh, and maybe even jets shake out the Steelers come in, come in, they stack up third for me again, a nine, maybe 10 win team, all dependent upon, how how healthy Najee Harris stays, how healthy the defense stays, because that defense isn't getting any younger either. 
TJ's now at the age where JJ started to break down, and that's something to keep an eye on too. So how healthy does the defense stay? Can they force turnovers? And can Najee Harris, I don't want to say carry the offense, but be the engine that drives it? And Kenny Pickett come up with those clutch plays now and then? I think that's the difference between maybe a 9 or 10 win team. And then I, I, I hate to do this because they're the Browns. And as Juju <laughs> once famously said a few years ago, the Browns is the Browns. But like until Deshaun Watson looks like Deshaun Watson of the Houston Texans, that mold of Deshaun Watson, I don't have any reason to believe that that's what the Browns are going to get. And until they see it, I would hope, if I were a Browns fan anyway, I would hope that even with Kareem Hunt gone, they would lean in on Nick Chubb, right? Lean in on the run game. And Kevin Stefanski and Alex Van Pelt, for whatever reason, have always gotten away from that at times. And, and it, it's, again, I'm not a Browns fan. The Browns can go 0-17 for all I care. But <laughs> if I were a Browns fan, I would just shake my head every time they come out, you know, empty set throwing on first and second down. You've got arguably the best back in the league back there. Use him to your advantage to at the very least balance out the offense and keep the defense off balance. Yeah. And I, I, I think Stefanski and Van Pelt like to outthink themselves sometimes and try to do too much. Now, if they end up with the Deshaun Watson that the Houston Texans had a few years ago, then maybe I can buy into that, that, that strategy a little bit more, but we have yet to see that guy show back up. So I guess I'm going to stack it. I'll go Bengals, Ravens, Steelers, Browns. Sounds good to me. I mean, I'm with you. The Browns are going to be the Browns until they show us that they're not the Browns. Boom. Right. <laughs> Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Tell everyone how they can find you. Uh, 93.7thefan.com. I write our eye-opener column uh, and produce the eye-opener video every single morning, kind of giving Pittsburgh sports fans an idea of what's going on around the world they may have missed overnight and the day before. If you're looking for some intel on what's going on with the Steelers, especially AFC North fans, obviously Ravens fans who are listening and watching this, uh, you can go to 93.7thefan.com. And every weekend on BetQL, every Sunday morning, five-star weekend, we talk sort of the betting angles to not just football, but everything going on in the world of sports, but certainly going to ramp back up towards football full steam ahead here in the next few weeks. Chris Mack, everybody, thank you so much for joining us. This has Appreciate been great. Rhea Cordell, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So from Chris Cordell and me, this is Winning Drive. Twenty four hundred Sports is an Odyssey company. 